Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about why self-care is important for success. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Sandy Vo. Sandy is the founder of Prosperous School of Self-Realization, co-founder of the media brand and network Ladies Align, and the host of Prosperous the Podcast. You can reach Sandy at her website, sandyvo.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Sandy. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you so much, Linda, for having me. So, Sandy, you claim that one of the contributing factors to explain why so many small businesses fail within the first one to five years is because of burnout and lack of self-care. So our personal well-being has a direct influence on our financial well-being and our success. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah. So I think oftentimes in business, which is a huge function of the way that our world operates, it's uh, one of the ways that or the main ways that we bring in food for our bodies to nourish and care for ourselves. And so it's a huge piece of our lives. And one of the main beliefs is that the highest currency that we have in the world is, is money. And what I'm saying with especially some of the statistics that we're finding today with increased levels of stress, especially after the last two years of the pandemic, is that the highest currency isn't money. The highest currency and the number one thing that, that we should focus on as business owners and householders and bill payers um, is our energy and our attention. Uh, because when we can focus our ourselves on how we can cultivate our energy, how we can increase our ability to concentrate. We are going to feel more well. We're going to feel like we're thriving. We're going to feel more connected to ourselves. We're going to feel more present. We're going to feel more vibrant. And that then uh, will be able to support us in every facet of our lives, including our, our business. But it's not how we're taught to think, right? It's always the right. opposite. It's you got to work hard. You got to hustle. You got to, you know, the more you can grind and brag about how many nights you stay up and how busy you are, the bigger your badge of honor is going to look like, right? right. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really a switch. It's a, it's a switch in understanding that if we want to sustain our businesses, if we want to sustain um, the, the income that we're making, then we have to learn how to sustain ourselves. Uh, and that's primarily what I teach a lot of people to do. Oh, that is so beautiful and such an important change of mindset. I loved how you talked about the currency of money and then the currency of energy. Because most people, when they think of the word currency, the only thing that they think about is, oh, well, that means money. And it means other things as well. And I think that that is absolutely brilliant. And I think you're absolutely right that so many people, we think that our busyness uh, determines our value and our worth. Like, oh, if I you know, pulled an all-nighter or if I did this or if I checked off 20 things on my to-do list, then that means that I had a successful and productive day. But there's a difference between busyness and productivity. And having that high energy level, I think, increases our productivity far more than busyness does. I so agree with you. And I'm glad that you brought up that point because oftentimes what a lot of people will come to me and say is that they feel like they're a hamster spinning in a wheel or they feel like, you know, I constantly hear my wheels are always spinning and I don't know how to stop it. It's that feeling of 
feeling like you're on a treadmill and you have no idea that there's a stop button that you can press at any time. And, and you feel like your, your mind is constantly going, even when you know that it's your time to rest, you can't let yourself rest. You're constantly racing in your head, thinking about the next thing that you can do. And it's, it's a broken um, way of living that we've been taught. Uh, and we don't realize it, but we've unconsciously been taught this from a very young age. Exactly. And I think the first 10 years of our lives are the most important because that's when we are absorbing in the most information. Our brains are like sponges and we are just taking in everything that we are picking up from the outside world, our environment, TV, media, our parents, our teachers, our professors, and, and we take it all in. And so, you know, down the road, whatever it is that you've absorbed, you made it to be true about yourself. And, and you know, a lot of people, you get to a point in your life where you you have enough wake up calls and, and you say to yourself, wait a second, am I living the life that I came here to live or am I living the life that other people want me to live for them? Um, there's a difference between what we're supposed to be doing and, and what we actually um, are here to do based on what our own intuitive wisdom is, is telling us. And so when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, that's a lot of that is busyness. You know, it's keeping you going you're moving on that treadmill, but most times you're not moving anywhere because you're so busy. It doesn't mean that you're actually being productive. Isn't that interesting? And we do use the analogy of a treadmill. And when you're on a treadmill, you really do, you put in a lot of effort, but you don't actually go anywhere. So that's a, quite an accurate description. So let's say I'm caught on this this treadmill and I I would really I want to be successful. That's why I climbed on the treadmill in the first place. But how do I get off of the treadmill and still attain that success? The, the whole reason why I jumped on the treadmill in the first place. Yeah. And this is, this is one of the hardest um, experiences for people. You know, people often ask, I know that I'm supposed to be taking care of myself. I know that all these things help me, but how do I stop what I'm what I've already started? If you're driving in a car at 150 miles per hour, you can't just hit the brakes, right? Or if you're running really fast on the treadmill, um, you know, you and you don't know where the stop button is, you can't just abruptly get off, right? And so, something that I, I teach a lot of people is at first becoming aware. This is really the first step in a lot of people's journeys. Is I'm aware that there's pain in my body. I'm aware that this doesn't feel good to me anymore. I'm aware that I'm exhausted. I'm aware that I have a trouble sleeping at night. I'm aware that I don't have deep rest. I'm aware that I'm not taking in enough nutrition. Ask yourself, what are you aware of right now? Because drawing awareness towards those things will give you direction moving forward rather than staying unaware or living in a state of denial you know, denying that you have any of this going on at all, because it's all going to eventually add up. So if you're on that treadmill right now, what are you willing to become aware of about yourself? Do what I call uh, a habit inventory, or an inventory of, of your own um, life, you know, uh, do you spend your time, you know, a, a lot on the phone? Do you wake up and the first thing that you do is you pick up your phone? Or you go to bed and the last thing that you do is you're on your phone. You know, you're, you're picking up all this information from the outside world before you even give your chance, yourself a chance to listen to yourself, right? So like notice what your habits are. Um, are you gravitating towards foods that you know aren't giving you enough nutrients? The more that you can become aware 
of where you're at right now, even if it feels very uncomfortable for you, the better off you're going to be because that awareness is going to guide you towards transformation. It's going to guide you towards action. So first become aware. And the second thing is um, there's something to be said about, you know, our culture in hustling or, you know, just like getting things done and just getting straight to the point. I I don't think life works that way. I don't think healing works that way. Um, We're taught that everything is very linear. Success is linear. Healing is linear, but it's very circular. So one of the things when it comes to uh, getting off that treadmill is realizing that it's a journey and it's going to take time. So giving yourself a lot of grace and compassion along the way is a key, key, key ingredient. This is actually the highest Um, principle of all of yoga. When I say yoga, I'm not talking about the physical postures. I'm talking about living in union, which is what the word yoga means um, with your truest innermost self. So when you, when you have more compassion and kindness towards yourself or what in Sanskrit is called ahimsa, then you're actually able to almost be your own best friend as you're going through this process. It's like when you're talking to a little seven-year-old kid and you're teaching them something different, you don't scream at them to try to tell them what to do. They're going to be afraid. Their nervous system is going to be highly activated. They're going to be on fight or flight mode and they're not going to hear what you're saying. But if you say, hey, you know, it's okay and you guide them gently, they're going to be able to follow along. So we almost have to treat ourselves the same way. And then after that, it's about taking small, subtle steps. And that's a lot of what I teach. Um, the, the practices that I teach are very subtle. So if you have never meditated before, if you're entirely new um, on the self-care journey, if you've spent a life of, of living in um, a, a chaos or um, busyness or what I call friction, then the best thing that you can do to start off is to focus more of your energy on what you love. So if you love to garden, if you love to cook, those things that you've loved to do in the past, like painting or anything that just when you do it, you lose track of all of space and time and you are completely, completely immersed in that moment. That's when I want to invite you to do more for at least 20 minutes a day. And you'll start noticing everything changing. Your emotions will change. Your your capacity to experience joy is going to change. Your ability to feel and, and to become more sensitive is going to change. And when you experience that now, your mind, your body, and your spirit are saying, oh, well, I want more of this. I want to feel more of this because nobody wakes up and says, I want to feel pain. I want to feel unhappy, right? Everyone wants no. to feel joy. And then once you, your body and your mind is getting used to it and it's asking for more of it, that's when you, you're not realizing this, but you're unconsciously reprogramming your brain and you're teaching your brain, hey, this is good for us. This is what we're going to do moving forward. And then naturally you'll gravitate towards deeper practices and different forms of breathing that you know we used to do when we were babies, diaphragmatic breathing. And, and that's when, when this whole new um, reality unfolds because you're giving yourself permission to explore and understand your own inner dimensions through doing something that you love. And it gets to be that simple. Wow, there are so many awesome things that you said in these steps, and I loved it. One of the words that really caught my attention 
was in the becoming aware, you said what we are willing to become aware of. And I love that you brought that up because sometimes we don't want to be aware. We don't want to make a change. We, we just figure I'm, I'm not ready to make a change. I want to, I'm yeah. going to keep doing what I'm keep doing. So that yeah. is crazy. And I love the idea of doing what you love. When you talk about meditation, usually the, the first thing I think of is we sit in silence. And for some people, they do very well at that. And for other people, it's very challenging. But to yeah. say, hey, do something that you love that is really exciting. A lot of people, I think we have to give ourselves permission to do something that we love because we feel guilty. It's like, no, 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 I can't do something for me because I have things that I need to do to take care of other people. And they forget that, you know, that basic little thing that they remind you every time you get on an airplane that we have to put that oxygen mask on ourselves before we can help others because we have to be in a good place in order to serve. We have to kind of fill our cup before we can serve. So those things are amazing. Now, one of the things you talked about was that you can do a, a meditation thing in, in one minute. What what can we do in a minute? Yeah, yeah, that's, I think a lot of people think that you have to make really drastic changes if you want to make a change. And and what I propose through what I teach is that the more gentle and subtle that we are, the better off and more long-term our change is actually going to be, the more we'll sustain the changes. And so when it comes to meditation, I teach people the way that I learned it, which is one minute at a time. So within that one minute, uh, it's the understanding that meditation is not about going in for as long as you possibly can. It's not about the duration. It's about the potency. It's about preparing your mind, your body, your spirit to be able to sit in that meditation. And so for the one minute meditation, I teach people a three-step process. One is how do you prepare your body? The second is how do you bring the breath into the body. So where do you, and then the third is where do you place your focus on? Because oftentimes when you're sitting down, your mind is scattered all over the place. And there's really, if you're not being instructed or you're not being guided through um, a teacher or someone that's been practiced with, with meditation, you might just sit down and, and you might just be like, okay, well, what do I do now? Do, do I just let whatever comes up, comes up? Um, yes, however, if you have a point of focus, your your mind can actually, you can start to teach your mind how to bring all of your awareness into this point of focus. And so when you learn the one minute meditation, you're bringing all of your focus to the point underneath your nostrils um, above your lips, because that's where your breath is going in and out. And it's easy when you can listen to your breath and you can hear your breath going in and out underneath your nostrils for one whole minute. And you're putting your entire focus there. And after that one minute, just notice how it feels. Most people tell me that it feels like they have clearer vision. They feel a lot more relaxed. Um, they feel like it was way longer than a minute because we, uh, you know, I, I kind of experiment with people and and I time it, and and they're shocked at how long one minute can actually feel like when we're constantly running around saying that we don't have enough time. So um, everything that I teach is really meant to be easy to integrate in your life today. You can be the busiest CEO. You can have six kids. You can have every reason in the books to say, I don't have time. And I promise we'll make time for you because it can be really simple. And that's how it should be. It's just like, you know, going to the gym. If I were to ask you to go to the gym and, I, and I'm going to tell you to bench 100 
pounds when you have never even lifted, you know, 50 or 20 pounds, you're probably going to break something, right? It's probably going to be really uncomfortable. But if I said, hey, you've never benched anything before, start with these two pounders right here. And you started lifting. Now you're, you're getting more confident because you're realizing how light this two pound is. And in that, in that process, you're learning the correct form, right? You're learning um, how to breathe. You're learning all these, these processes that are really important in order to bring more oxygen into your body and develop the muscles that you're looking for, right? So now you're getting more confident. And then I say, okay, now that you're getting confident, let's Let's increase the weights to to five and then let's increase it to 10 and then let's increase it to 15. What you're doing in that moment is you're building a firm foundation. You're learning the form and you're also building the resiliency, the resiliency through your muscles and your muscle memory in order to remember what it is that you're doing and have the capacity to do more. So it's the same thing with a meditation practice, right? Um, you're, you do it subtly, one small step at a time, one minute at a time. And once you get really comfortable, once your brain starts to realize, oh, wait, I'm learning something different here and it's starting to feel really good, then you can increase it more and you can dive into deeper practices. But if you're just starting off and you want to build a solid self-care foundation, then I say self-care is being self-aware. Become aware of where you are right now. Don't lie to yourself and give yourself the gentle and the ease that you need right now and then slowly build it up from there. Wow, I love the idea that we have to be honest with ourselves. Don't lie to ourselves. Be kind, be gentle, but also be honest. And I think that that's very critical. I also loved when you talked about time. We talked earlier about currency and how money is a currency, our energy is a currency, time is also a currency. And that one is kind of magic because every person on earth gets the exact same amount of time in a day, not necessarily in a lifetime, um, but we, we, we should cherish that time and use that time well. And I think doing some self-care is an investment using that time. And I love the idea that we can use some small, simple steps because I mean, I can fit 60 seconds in my schedule without feeling like I'm changing everything. So that is wonderful to be able to get started. Yeah, and that's one of the main things that I heard people say um, after attending one of my retreats this year is that, wow, my whole relationship with time has completely changed. I often hear people when they're in their later years of life say, I don't feel like I have enough time. And they think that it's only them. But I hear people in their early 20s saying, I don't have enough time. You know, I need to do this. So it's a story that humanity has made up that we just don't have enough time. But when we really begin to understand time and understand our brains and our minds at a deeper level, we realize how much of an illusion time really is. It's a concept that allows us to operate in society. It allowed me and you to be having this conversation together because we knew exactly the time that we were meeting. We knew how to prepare ourselves for it. And therefore, we're able to have this beautiful exchange. And so there... The, the concept of it helps us to operate as human beings in the society. However, time in itself is so deep and so infinite. And that's why I say that I think a lot of people are afraid of meditation. One, because they're afraid of what they are going to um, 
become more aware of because Mm. of the living in denial that we talked about. And two, because they're afraid of the mystery of of what actually happens when you bring yourself to such a state of presence, when you are experiencing all presence, when your mind isn't projecting into the worries about the future, and when it's not dwelling on something that happened in the past, when your mind is just right here, right now, that moment goes so deep. And it's such a mystery that I think that scares a lot of people. And I know for me, it scared me. I always kept noise around my house. I kept sounds. I kept music on. I didn't let myself experience any form of silence because I was afraid of what I might actually hear. I was afraid of my own thoughts. Um, And this is like an inner conversation that I don't think a lot of people say out loud. But it was through that journey of realizing or, or living in denial that I... I realize there, there's so much that, that my mind wants to tell me, my body wants to communicate with me, and I need to make space enough so that I can listen to it. Wow. We have to kind of make friends with ourselves. I think a lot of us are enemies with ourselves. We don't yeah. mean to be, but we're unkind to ourselves in our thoughts. We're unkind in our talk about our bodies. We're unkind. Yeah. We're just not kind. So that is, is, is frustrating. Now, one of the things you talk about is um, healthy boundaries. So what happens in you know, our life, our relationships, and our business when we don't have healthy boundaries? And how do we create those healthy boundaries? Yeah, so boundaries are a way of taking care of your whole self, not just a part of yourself. Sometimes when we're making decisions or when we're doing things, we're only thinking with a part of ourselves, which is our ego or um, our identity that we attach ourselves to. We're not really thinking about our whole self, our mind, our body, and our spirit and putting it into the equation. So what boundaries do is they help us to protect that. They help us to experience the enrichment and the wholesomeness that life actually is. And so when we don't have healthy boundaries, what happens is, you know, let's say that you're a yes person or you're a people pleaser and everything that anyone says to you, a family member needs something, um, your clients are looking for something, you're always the first person to say yes, even though in your heart, in your energy levels, it's really a no. You don't have the bandwidth or the energetic capacity to actually say yes, but you say yes because there's a part of you that has been programmed to um, say yes, because that's what we've been taught a lot of our lives. And if you say no, then you're a bad person or, you know, you should feel guilt. Now, let's say you go and you do that. Now, you're going to experience resentment, right? Because now you're saying yes to all these other people without taking the time to look at your whole self, your mind, your body, and your spirit, and, and pay attention to what your needs are. Now you're going to do the thing. And you're, you're thinking that you're pleasing other people, but you're doing it from a place of resentment. You're thinking about other things at the same time. You're not fully present. It doesn't bring you any joy. And so when we do not have health, healthy boundaries, we are not only unconsciously um, creating a lot of what I call energetic friction within our relationships. There's fr- friction or tension that we begin to feel within our relationships, resentment. But we're, we're also creating um, a sense of disconnect from ourselves because we're, we're showing ourselves, hey, I'm not listening to you. Y- you know, I know you're tired and I know that you've been doing a lot, but I'm not listening to you and we're going to do even more. 
So think about that relationship with yourself, how, how it has to feel for yourself to be doing that over and over again, over committing again and again and again. So that's how not having healthy boundaries can really affect your life and your business. Anything that happens within the four walls of your home is also going to happen in other areas of your life too, because it's all connected. So in your business, you might find I don't have enough energy to do this. You, you know, if you're someone who maybe you undercharge for your services, or maybe you, um, are are overworking yourself and and you started this is what i find with a lot of business owners is you start your business in order to have a life of freedom and to make your own decisions and to be able to make money the way that you want to but what you don't realize is now you're working more than when you had your nine to five job and you're working on weekends you're you're um you're not spending time being present with your family and now you're becoming resentful of your own business the very thing that you started that you love so that's how not having healthy boundaries will leak into other areas of our lives how we can we can begin to establish them is by first recognizing that there's two two kinds of boundaries. There's the boundaries with ourselves, and then there's the boundaries with our environment. First, the boundaries with ourselves is, can I keep my intentions that I've offered for myself, right? So like if your intention was, if you get off from listening to these podcast episodes, and maybe you heard something with one of the people that Linda has interviewed and it really inspired you. And you're like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do that. And that was your intention for the week. Can you honor that? Can you, can you do that? Most times we cross our boundaries with ourselves. Or if you say, you know what, I've been doing a lot this summer for the month of, for this month of of October that's coming up. I just want to spend more time resting. I want my calendar to be more clear. Are you going to continue to honor that? Or the moment that people invite you to go to a wedding here and a birthday party there and a bridal shower there and, a, and going out for dinner there, you say yes, 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 yes. So that's the first type of boundaries that you want to establish. You know, if you say you want to get into um, learning how to breathe more deeper or meditation, are you going to honor those things that you say to yourself? The second type of boundaries is the boundaries with our environment. So once you establish boundaries with yourself, um, the, the second thing is with the people that are around you, you know, examine the relationships that you have with your family, the relationships that you have with your partner, with your, your work. Is it in a place in your life where it's honoring what your core values are? When people don't know, you know, how to set boundaries, one of the ways that I help them to find that is to ask themselves, well, what are my core values? What is important to me? How often do we ask ourselves this? What truly matters to me? The times where most people ask themselves what truly matters to me, like what is it that matters to me, is typically when something like the 2020 happened and and you lose your job or you lose all these things or you're noticing the people around you are dying. Then you ask yourself, wow, I really want to make sure that I focus on living a life that actually matters to me. That's when we start waking up. But what about now in this mundane moment when there's no reason in this present moment for you to be afraid of your life or your health or anything? Can you still ask yourself this question and say, well, what truly does matter to me in this moment? What kind of life do I want to live that helps me to feel the most enriched and the most wholesome and that I'm squeezing the juices out of every moment of this life? And when you answer that question, you're going to experience things like 
you know, maybe what matters to me the most is being as present as I can possibly be, feeling joy in my days, being able to connect with the people that are around me and feel like we're having a, a deeper conversation than just living on the surface or talking about the weather, being able to go outside and meeting strangers and feeling like, you know, we're reflections of each other, you know, what truly does matter to you? And once you get clear on what that question is, it is going to be so much easier for you to uh, build boundaries, you know, to actually establish boundaries around that. So the next time that someone says to you, hey, can you do this? When it's, it's impeding on your core value of presence or your core value of joy, or when, you know, that friend that you had from high school constantly has something negative to say, you're going to respect your own boundaries a lot more. You're going to value your life a lot more. And you're not going to give certain things the time of day because in that you're teaching them a lesson and you're, you're also teaching yourself a lesson in doing so too. So I know it's hard. I know it's uncomfortable, but through my own experience of, of boundaries, I learned that boundaries is actually just another word for having real conversations with people, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't, you're not just like, Hey, my walls are up. Don't touch me. Don't come anywhere near me. You're, you're really having a conversation. I know for me, my mom is, um, is from Vietnam. So she, she didn't have a chance to learn as much English as she possibly could. And I enabled her as a child, as an adult, because I would do everything for her. I would help her pay the bills. I would answer all of her calls with customer service. And I felt like I could be her attorney at times. Um, that's, that's how much I had my mother's back and how much I, I, I fought for her. But I realized I was enabling my mom and I had a set of boundary. So I had a conversation with my mom and I said, mom, you've been living here for a really long time. You know, all of us are grown now and we can take care of ourselves. This is really your time for you. And I want to encourage you to learn how to do these things yourself because I know that you can. And while my mom wasn't happy at first to hear that, it it definitely inspired her to go on her own and figure things out. And then I saw her get more confident. I saw her speaking right. better English. I started seeing her having different conversations. That empowered and then, her. It empowered her. So you have to realize when you're afraid of setting boundaries, recognize how your fear, your um, you think you're you're being mean, and all these things are actually um, preventing you from having a deeper com- conversation and relationship with the people around you. So think about boundaries as a fancy word for having a real conversation, an authentic conversation, something that yes. that gets to the meat of things. I also love how this whole conversation that we're having today is kind of going back into a circle. When you talk about the things that we need to be able to achieve in order to set these boundaries. It comes back to that awareness. And I think a lot of us kind of go through life in sort of a fog, a daze. We're on autopilot. And in order to be able to achieve our our best outcome, we need to allow ourselves to be consciously in control of things. And that requires some being aware and letting go of some of these autopilot things that we just do out of habit. So that is amazing. Thank you for all the incredible things that you have shared with me today. Absolutely. Yeah. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by James Allen. He said, the more tranquil a man becomes, the greater is his success, his influence, and his power for good. Today, I invite you to create more success and tranquility in your life through consistent self-care. 
See you next time on Linda's Corner.